are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. What's going on, everybody? My name is James Bodden, and welcome to episode nine of the Lunch Break Podcast. Look, I'm fired up today. I'm fired up about my guest, Tim Flynn. He is currently the Director of Customer Development at Critical Mix. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina, which is not too far away from where I'm at in Raleigh with his wife, his daughter, his son. And, and look, Tim is, Tim is somebody who personally has, has greatly affected my journey. He, he was someone who nominated me for the InsideSales.com Top Sales Development Rep of 2018. To be honest, didn't see that coming. That just speaks to the type of person that Tim is and why I'm so excited about having him here because he has so much insight on how experiences will be the next major impact on our sales profession. Tim has 10 plus years of sales experience. Like I said, he's the current director of customer development at Critical Mix. And look, he, he, he's here to talk to us about something that I think is very, very important. Okay. Listen closely to what we're going to talk about today. Tim, thanks so much for coming on the Lunch Break Podcast, buddy. Oh, James, thanks so much for the great introduction and, uh, you know, grateful for the opportunity and, and hopefully I can deliver on the level of the introduction there. So, uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to, um, you know, sharing some insights that I've seen, you know, just from my experiences and journey that brought me to uh, today. I would love, uh, you know, our network out there and folks listening uh, to definitely engage with me and, and share their thoughts on this uh, special topic that we have planned for today's podcast. Yeah. So with that, let's, let's dive right into it. So, so Tim, before we, we get into to the topic of what we're going to talk about today, just talk to us about how you got into sales. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to start and really back up uh, versus kind of talking about that first sales job uh, because I think this is an important thing that, um, you know, the listeners out there that, um, you know, I personally for the first part of my career never really touched on that. I've learned that, you know, hiring managers and, and recruiters out there are looking for. It's really, you know, how you were, you were raised and some of those experiences and, and how those experiences shaped, you know, your outlook, um, your attitude, um, and kind of what's your overall mindset, um, what work really means to you and, and what you're going to perform. So, you know, I, uh, I recall as a kid um, growing up, my parents were, um, you know, great. We, I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, but grew up mostly in Ohio. And, you know, my, my mother always wanted to, to stay back and raise us. And, you know, my dad, you know, he was not your, your college grad, white collar type worker. He, he was in sales, national sales, um, within kind of the pallet shipping industry. And, you know, for my mom to be able to stay back and that, you know, for us to be able to financially support that, you know, I remember, you know, at six, seven, eight years old, uh, my dad's second job of, you know, trimming trees at, uh, apartment complexes and, and hauling and helping him out and earning a few bucks a day. Uh, and then really that where I've seen, you know, that really, uh, you know, great outlook and, and what work means is that, 
you know, we got a little bit older and I have a, I have a younger brother, a few years younger than me. And once we got to the certain age, my mom uh, got an entry level job uh, within a private aviation company, essentially working the call center. And, uh, you know, within about five years, she moved up to EVP um, and she was eating uh, dinner with Uncle Warren. And I remember her saying that. I go, there's no effing way, Mom. You mean Warren Buffett? Because um, it was a Berkshire Hathaway company. And just seeing, you know, the amount of work and what she did and really, you know, climbing the ladder from from the ground position to an executive vice president role. Um, I didn't realize till I was older of what that did to me in my mindset on on what you can do if you really put your nose to the grindstone. You know, so I um, <laughs> I needed some of that prep because when I graduated undergraduate, it was when the housing market collapsed and half the half of my friends and and uh, you know graduates were were either trying to scrap to find a job out there or moving to their parents' basement, <laughs> and that's where I landed uh, my first job. Which coincidentally, um, I was always someone that was a big kind of strengths-focused person, and I loved personality tests. Uh, just really trying to figure out who I was, and you know, help guiding that decision because our education system now is is very theory type based. Yeah. So. Um, I, I, I got a, uh, a regional sales manager job within the industrial staffing industry. So I was essentially at 22, 23, managing a branch, had 40, 50, you know, older workers um, going out, you know, being fishmongers to working temp labor at a dairy farm. And this story, this is how no one ever forgets me in an interview process that it was, you know, about, about a year or so in. And this guy, I mean, I opened the branch at like 5 a.m. in the morning, right? And, you know, some folks were sleeping outside. I, I get up and go, and this guy walked in, and there was something not right. I knew he was, um, you know, maybe had a little too much fun, but but not, you know, some, you know, just not on the right field to be able to send out to work. Yeah. And I uh, explained to him, said, hey, look, you know, just do, uh, just, just let's have a re refresh, restart tomorrow. And next thing you know it, I heard – out of our uh, parking lot, the tires of his truck squealing out and then a shatter of my office window. So uh. 23, I get shot at. I have 40 to 50, you know, 50 plus year olds in uh, an office in a little strip mall that I'm yelling to get down on the ground in the back corner with, you know, police coming in and assault rifles. And I remember calling up um, uh, our branch uh, assistant manager there that kind of supported my efforts as I went in the field and tried to find more work. I was like, hey, look, not coming in, something happened. And then I realized, all right, well, this is not how I planned my first career move outside of college. Wow. Uh, so I, uh, I, I took a, about a week off to collect myself. <laughs> and then uh, that, that kind of put me on a different path that, you know, maybe, maybe this industry was not for me. So, you know, fast forward, I moved uh, coast to coast. I was out on um, uh, north of the Seattle area and been on the East Coast here for about 12 years. And, you know, I out moving, uh, I, you know, networked through my uh, rental agent that, you know, I was like, hey, look, I can sell insurance, whatever. It was an easy little everybody had insurance, you know, job postings out there. Yeah. So I was like, hey, this guy must have a great network. He goes, you don't need to be doing this. Come work for me. Um, so that led into uh, me working on their investment arm of the real estate company. And that also then translated to a opportunity to really do some small business consulting that 
was kind of that aha moment where they had all of these pillars. They, they serve as that full real estate life cycle, but they're very siloed. And I've always been someone that's very process driven, but kind of looked at things a bit more holistically, um, I guess you could say, and really showing how we can increase efficiencies throughout all of the businesses if we just kind of intertwine things a bit more and um, and focused our efforts on the operation side, but also what that means to the experiences on the folks we we're serving. So I, after that for a while, you know, um, now in my kind of later, uh, mid to late twenties, I did some admissions uh, work and then, uh, that's where I, I stepped in my first SaaS startup sales company, uh, within the commercial, uh, lead building space. Um, so it was a great experience. Um, just like probably a, a lot of the listeners out there, it's funny when you're looking into a new industry that everything, no matter what role says two years of minimum experience, but how do you get the experience, which that's a whole other subject to talk on. But I used uh, you know, that opportunity to uh, network with uh, one of the other two sales folks there. It was a company of eight people. The rest were developers. And she worked, uh, her boyfriend at the time worked for a, a software company that was publicly traded here in Charleston that's just solely served the nonprofit sector. So that relationship um, and a few pints got me um, the resume uh, handoff internally, which finally got me the airtime um, that once again, I decided that, uh, or, or the powers that be decided that, yeah, you're going to interview right when they announce a layoff of 200 folks and a job freeze. So uh, the unfortunate, uh, one of the five, you know, uh, hiring managers that was within the process uh, made the, uh, well, I guess fortunate for me, unfortunate for him, gave me his cell number to follow up since our uh, session got cut short. So I followed up with him every single week for at least 15, 20 minutes on his cell uh, for just under uh, five months and then wow. finally got the opportunity and then that's really where I saw my career um, in SaaS sales, you know, take off. Uh, and, and I was at that company for just under five years. And then um, now here at Critical Mix, um, working on a B2B growth side of a new area uh, that company is focusing on and also just launched um, our first structured uh, sales development uh, program. That's awesome, man. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to unpack there, Tim. You hmm. have seen a lot and and experienced so much uh first of all the experience of being a 22 year old and managing the types of people that you were managing older than yourself uh and then being put in a position like that where you're getting shot at i mean no wonder you across <laughs> the country right I mean, that's, that's the type of thing that makes you move across the country, right? I mean, that, yeah. that, that has to be kind of like a, an eye-opener for sure, right? Yeah, there's something telling me this uh, is time to move on, you know, and there's definitely a lot of good lessons along the way, and, um, yeah. you know, it's a fun journey, right? Yeah, well, and, and every, every, everybody has those kind of wild things that you experience, and I feel like that's so important because it shapes – so much of what happens to you later because you're when you're young and 22 because I started working in retail sales when I was 22 23 so when you're that young and you're working with the public and you're working with other people in a very direct way it mm -hmm. it serves as a really good 
bucket of lessons you can learn and also serves as a good layer of gratitude for when you get past that stage in your life and you persevere through those things and, mm -hmm. and you can kind of look back and say, now when I'm having a bad day, it's much easier for me to be like, mm, it could be way worse. And I'm sure you could say the same thing, right? Literally. You could yeah, say, like, most hey, definitely. Getting shot at. I mean, you know, could be worse. Right? <laughs> Jeez, that's, 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 that's one of the more wild things I've ever heard. Uh, and then, so moving from that, you know, as you kind of went through these different phases of your career, the one thing that's really stuck out to me were you networked. You leveraged your network, whether that was somebody you knew, like a friend or your damn rental agent, right? Like just mm -hmm. being that, that mindset of kind of uh, just, hey, what's going on? I can do this. Let me, let me be of value somewhere. And then, you know, finding that, okay, uh, opportunities are going to pop, pop up that you weren't even necessarily looking for. So that, that is a theme. And then also the perseverance with the follow-up how many yeah times? and then james yeah cool. i mean james that one that point one point I, I think is really important here i mean you know you talked about the networking relationships you know i mean look at us you know why why i'm here today um yep. you know you know it's you know we now have such an undervalued you know opportunity you know the the amount of opportunity the internet um, and different channels have and, yeah. and really, you know, if, if you want to be a true sales practitioner, you don't have to be what you would think is the top, you know, normal thought leaders out there. You know, there's folks on all various levels and that's what I really truly enjoy, you know, about your podcast and, you know, and the handful of others that I, I listen to on a daily basis or when they publish is that, it all takes those various perspectives. And if, if, you know, regardless of where you're at in your career, or what role, you know, consistently learning and hearing those perspectives will make you a better individual contributor, a better sales leader. Um, and really what we've seen too with technology and the rapid uh, change of innovation nowadays, you know, uh, you know, being static and stuck in your ways is, is really not going to be a way to be successful here moving forward. And that's only going to exponentially grow. And, and that's really kind of where my uh, mindset's been recently on um, really focusing on the sales experience, but also what that means for companies, what that means for um, sales, individual contributors, and also, you know, most importantly, the folks we are trying to sell to. Yeah, I think you've touched on a you touched on a very important component of of what we're going to talk about today and that's the internet. Right? Because the internet has created new experiences across the board for for everybody. Networking, mm -hmm. the ability to to connect with other people, the ability to buy goods, you know, all of it. But specifically, it's this idea and this shift of information because mm -hmm. 30 years ago the salesperson held all the information and they were the sales the the subject matter expert and that was the value that they brought to the table and that also mm -hmm. allowed them to control the sale in a different way and and also mm -hmm. unfortunately lent itself to the aggressive sales tactics that we think of mm -hmm. when about you know Glenn Gary Glenn Ross or 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 you know the Wolf of Wall Street that style of of selling it 
it was born out of the fact that we were the information holders. Now that's not the case. We are no mm. longer the information holders. The information is out there uh, tenfold. And I would argue that for 90% of salespeople, your customer knows more about what you're selling them than, than exactly. you do because they live in that industry. They live it every day. And so that, that experience that we're required to give in order to provide that value that we once were able to provide by being the information holders, it's a shift that we, that, that we have to make. And, and, and that's why, you know, when we spoke last week, I said, we have to like turn right around and, and get this on the podcast mm -hmm. because this idea of sales experience is just something that I think is just so clearly defines where we're at. In yeah, and yeah, world. and that's you know that that you know another parallel there, um, you know, two points. The first one being, you know, we we talk a lot about you know the opportunity process from you know once it hits you as an SQL to you know develop to prove, negotiate to close, right? Your yep. typical funnel. Um, but you know, there's um, I'm seeing a lot more and more um, on sales or business development. But, you know, that was a, a big thing that I was kind of looking at. And I'm like, you know, implementing this initial kind of, uh, you know, training program. I was like, well, there needs to be something on our end, you know, outside of just understanding, you know, the value are bringing to the market. And, and to me, it's three main buckets. So the first thing, you know, is the most valuable thing that we are looking to um, do as professional interrupters. And that's get somebody's attention. And without grabbing that attention, um, you're not going to be able to tell your story. If you can't tell your story, you can't do your job in sales, right? So, you know, the key is understanding a, you know, where your potential buyers are engaging, uh, where they're spending their time, um, understanding and really unpacking that persona. Um, because if you are going to grab their attention, that second bucket being is you better deliver value. Um, so if you can deliver value or at least come across as, you know, being a broker to value, um, if let's say if you're kind of a tip of the spear SDR, BDR role, um, you know, that then warrants you to get the engagement. So if that's an initial meeting um, or if that's a discovery or at least some communication, not just, um, oh, great, you know, John's been opening my emails, but there's nothing coming back. Um, well, let's, let's figure out why let's look at the messaging. What are the calls to action? What, what could you do for John? Do you know, John, you know, what's, what's his day look like and what's this mean for him, his career, um, and really understanding those various personas and what, you know, look at their job description mm -hmm. type in is, um, you know, the biggest challenges that X industry faces and then yeah. just understand that on the org chart the macro VP exec, they're looking at the big picture and, you know, further down, it's the day in the life and what's this mean to me, um, yeah. which can be a, you know, positive and negative thing. So it's really understanding those journeys. Um, and the, and the second point here, James, that you, you mentioned, which is funny, which is also one of the points on experiences is that I have this long, long-term friend and he's been in finance um, forever. And we worked together at a former company and, about two years ago, he, he was like, maybe I should get into sales. And I was like, why? He goes, well, I just hate the amount of input doesn't dictate my output as in compensation. Mm -hmm. So I can, you know, it, it was kind of frustrating, but, you know, just he wasn't ready to, to make the leap. And he had, from his point of view, because of lack of experience, the stereotype that, 
you know, the um, snake oil salesman, the car salesman, no, no yeah. offense to folks that are, um, that are selling cars, but you know, yeah. that kind of pushy, Oh, you're just trying to, you're a people person that is pulling something over someone's eyes and, yeah. and getting a transaction where, you know, now actually he just uh, received an offer letter in a sales role uh, yesterday. So I was, when nice. he came to me, I was ecstatic, uh, awesome. but I can never forget when he was prepping for his interview process, he, he called me up and he goes, there is so much I didn't know about sales from the psychology to process to like the intricacies of delivering the message. And, and I yeah. go, yeah, the eyes are wide open now and that yeah. respect. And, you know, it's hard, it's hard if you don't understand it, but that goes both ways because you also can't be a good in sales if you don't know the other side's perspective. So um, it's our job um, <laughs> to understand that first before we can do ours. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, that idea of, and really, I, when I think about it, I, it goes for any profession. It goes, mm -hmm. I, I have a general, so a perfect example of that would be, I spent a little bit uh, of time uh, recruiting gastroenterologists as a mm -hmm. physician recruiter. And so we had to go through like four weeks and like four or six weeks of training to learn about what these doctors had to go through to become doctors and really mm -hmm. understand like the work that's gone into it. And, you know, I had a general idea, like, yeah, the people that are doctors go to school for a long time and, and, you know, that's it. Right. I mean, I kind of understood it at a high level, but when you get deep into it, it's like, wow, these guys are really, there's really a lot to this. And the same way with the sales yeah. profession. Mm -hmm. And then what, what is a shame is that, most people just don't care to look below that, you know, mm -hmm. deeper, deeper than that surface level trend. And I was the same way. I thought the same thing. And then the same thing happened to me. You start reading and you start being exposed. And now see when you and I started, there wasn't even uh, what we have now where uh, folks like John Barrows, like you were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. folks like Keenan, you know, those guys, have a platform now to just distribute this awesome knowledge and, and speak to people that are coming in and, and doing sales the right way and, and educating people about what it really means to be a salesperson. Cause it's not what you think it is. And mm -hmm. if you don't understand your value as a salesperson, if you're doing sales the right way, you are a highly valuable individual for not only your own company, but for, your, you know, prospects and your customers, because you're there yeah. to, to lead them on a path that's going to help them achieve their goals if you're doing it the right yeah. way. So I, I, I think that's so important. I think it's just right on, yeah. right on par with you know, what we're talking about. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm just super grateful that, you know, with the growth of really being able to get more exposure and, you know, platforms like LinkedIn to really, uh, uses a podium, you know, um, it's not talked about enough, but, you know, John Barrows of the world and, and all of the other folks that um, a lot of us are connected with, or at least consume their content, you know, just imagine if they took the complete different approach and they use it as a way to scream um, how they are the best and why, you know, breaking down others, you know, it's funny that, you know, stereotypes of, you know, your type A, super aggressive, you know, competitive person, which, you know, I've seen all flavors of successful sales individuals out there, um, you know, but 
folks that truly have, have adopted, hey, look, we want to go out and really give, give, give without any expectation in return, you know, we we are the individuals that we need to own that we can turn any type of stereotype around. And from my point of view, I would much rather, you know, deal with a much a, a larger amount of opportunities because folks realize that we are a valuable resource. Um, so I'd much rather have top shelf sales folks I'm competing with and more engagement and real trusted engagement without having to slowly develop that versus, um, you know, that hesitation that you have to slowly build that rapport and trust to say, look, I serve right by you. Um, and always challenge yourself too. You know, I think it's important to continuously audit yourself and those folks that you yeah. do build the great rapport with, uh, regardless of, you know, that, that one specific engagement. But if you did develop that great relationship, you know, win or lose, go back and ask them, yep. you know, what did you like? I would love to be more importantly critiqued on areas and, and also be, you know, be direct. Hey, here's some challenges I'm facing. You know that I can provide value, but it took us X, Y, and Z steps. What would you do if you're in my shoes to, to be able to develop this earlier, you know, and, 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 and let's not be abstract. Let's, let's go right to the buying source um, yeah. and really get that feedback. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're already, so when you're saying that, I was thinking, oh, well that might make people feel uncomfortable to do that. You're already, you've already cold called that person. <laughs> Yeah, it's the same stat as like what 68% of uh, buyers are willing to be a, a reference, but yeah. um, after a good experience, but only like 12% of sales folks actually ask for it. So, exactly. um, and so why, why not like, hey, you lost the deal. Uh, hey, help me figure out shortcuts. I mean, that's such a that's such a great idea. And, and I think that speaks to the next question I kind of want to ask you is, so with this idea, you know, we've been talking about sales experience on a, on a individual level, like mm -hmm. what we can do as individuals to, to, to craft that. But what do you think this shift towards a focus on sales experience all the way around from the customer side to the, to the individual contributor, to the management, to the leadership, what, what impact is that going to have on sales orgs in the future? What do you think, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, so I had really had a big aha moment when I was at a conference called CX Talks and it was in Atlanta this um, toward the end of this last year. And, you know, I was really curious because you hear customer experience and it's this kind of fluffy kind of, all right. Yeah. Buzzwordy. Math as it. Yeah. Another, another thing to state we do X, Y, and Z to, uh, put this facade on as a company. Um, but I, it really opened my eyes and, you know, what I was hearing from some of the largest, you know, fortune 500 companies throughout different industries was this major shift on, you know, it used to be this, this mindset of, all right, we want to bring X, Y, and Z out to the market. Let's build our internal structure and systems development marketing plan, and then go out to the market and, 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 and sell it yeah. where this, that whole kind of pyramid structure has been flipped upside down where, you know, I sort of asked myself really, all right, if we're starting now on what is the optimal customer experience and then backing into the structure that 
what's the best way to support that and deliver it, but it's also agile enough to scale because we know this is a major shift. So, you know, what's that structure look like internally? Yeah. You know, I'm like, all right, well, they're talking about how this spans throughout all various businesses. There's no clear uh, definition of what a, you know, customer experience officer really is yet. Yep. And I go, well, if they're talking about it in all of these different lenses, what's this mean? <laughs> what's this mean to sales? For the sales I mean, because guys. this, yeah, yeah, you know, so, you know, I, I'm thinking, you know, not only structure, but I see a major, um, you know, trans transition from, you know, the, we really want to align better with marketing. We really want to align better with professional services um, and these various other departments within the company. And I firmly believe it's going to transition into a requirement to be able to, um, you know, stay competitive in the overall landscape. Um, and I see this, you know, as it is it impacting sales, you know, which, you know, I, I can't tell you today on where I think exactly what will happen. And, and I have uh, some ideas I would love to hear from the listeners today on um, maybe some other areas to, to dig up some good info. But, you know, just as we've seen recently a large growth in sales enablement, yeah. you know, I think that title is going to transition into, you know, sales experience manager um, is going to be focusing on a lot more processes, um, you know, really managing and being um, that center uh, point for cross-functional teams. Yep. And, you know, it, you know, that side is going to impact also our, our, our process of maybe disrupting the SDR's job is to do this, then it goes to this person and they sell the new logo and then it gets punted to inside um, yeah. because we're going to be competing against those experiences. And, and to me, I firmly believe experiences are not siloed. They translate across all aspects of our lives and they create, you know, those future expectations. So, you yeah. know, if, if one company is providing a certain level of experience, that buyer you know, every single time is going to have a, you know, a, a rung up on their competition because they're delivering a better experience. And they're going to be viewed more professionally and also more valuable uh, yeah. from the purchaser stand standpoint. You're, you're, you're spot on. And, and you said so many things that I think are so important because so this idea of sales enablement, I think is kind of the first signal mm -hmm. of, us moving towards sales experience and and what's interesting is so we've had this advent of a of a role and a whole department sometimes around enabling salespeople sales enablement and then at the same time we're having conversations about ai replacing salespeople <laughs> so uh which is a hot topic now and and what i think is so funny is i remember you know back when cell phones first came out everybody mm -hmm. thought do you remember in zoolander when he had the tiny tiny cell phone <laughs> yeah like people thought yeah. was what was going to be cool like the smaller mm -hmm. your cell phone the better it's the exact opposite now the bigger the yeah. cell phone the better so we're we can't predict the future we we have no clue what what's really going to happen and it's so funny because i feel like that's what's going to happen with artificial intelligence artificial intelligence isn't going to take the jobs it's going to be a part of changing the way that we bring a customer through their mm -hmm. experience with us because at that point we can be there for them at any moment 
right? You don't have to worry about the limitations of, you know, a person's schedule, right? So you can mm-hmm. amplify the experience with the machine learning and the AI. But the 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 person to person interaction is is going to be absolutely necessary because what we're dealing with as these generate as you know we move on as generations, mm-hmm. Gen Z. They have they're going to have very high expectations for their. Buying. They're going to be fire. I'm going on record saying Gen Z is going to be a major major disruptor major um, and and huge innovation and it's going to be to me I think. Uh, a beautiful marriage of um, looking at a situation and trying to say what's the most efficient possible, but also yeah. a strong executor. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, it's crazy just having two young kids of, you know, before my kids could talk, they, they could launch apps and, and stuff, you know, know, and it's, uh, know. you know, yeah. and, I, and I was, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good old boy at heart and like, you know, I'm hands in the dirt type guy and love yeah. fishing and being on the water and such. But, you know, I had an internal struggle on the technology because I grew up of get outside and play and come back by dinner. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, but then I thought, you know, no, this is this is how folks are. They, yeah, I'm I'm only going uh, to inhibit their growth because this is this is how they're going to be interacting. Yeah, and and we said that gen, every generation looks at the other. The next one is lazier, and something's going to screw them up. You know, yeah. but that's. It's it's a continuous cycle. Let's be real. It's not going to screw them up. They have more oppor- They'll have more opportunities than we did, because we have more mm-hmm. opportunities than the last generation with the advent of the internet. Um, and 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 really, what it it comes down to for me is the technology also makes those moments where you do go fishing and you do get outside all that much more better. And so yeah. what's going to happen is the more inundated and the more automated things get in areas of our lives where it makes sense to automate, you're going to have those moments where people are yearning for that deep conversation or that, that enlightening conversation with a salesperson as they're moving through a buying cycle of, you know, yeah, let the machines take care of the easy stuff. And then let me talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about and can help me get where I need to get. So I think this this whole idea of sales experience is definitely where we're going it's 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 where everybody in sales where your mindset needs to be is is focused on and this is something we talked about when we spoke last week you know don't do something that doesn't make common sense for your prospect just to follow the sales process mm-hmm. you know if you if 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 you're in a situation where you can't just obviously do that talk to your manager and say, look, this isn't making sense for our prospects. This, 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 this is a moment of friction for them. And it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense for me to pass it at this moment. I need to hold on to it for another couple of touches and then pass it or, you know, whatever the scenario is, but just exercise common sense with a focus on creating an experience that, that is going to make them want to do business with you again and tell people about you. I mean, how, how, yeah, uh, a <laughs> yeah, 100% agree. And I, you know, I, I plan on moving forward, you know, and, and, you know, as I mentioned earlier and, and also you got to practice what you preach, right. Yep. Um, on yep. listening to your buyers that, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing, um, you know, what comes of some of these conversations. Cause I really want to spend time from those various purchasing agents and hearing from them on, 
all right, tell me some stories or that's the, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, and, yeah. and then what's the optimal experience and then feeding that back out to, um, you know, our, um, industry professionals. Um, so, you know, if, uh, you know, it's just a, it's an idea that I think would unearth some great information on really tying together both sides of that journey and what, what's a good experience look like from a buyer's point of view. Um, so more to come there and um, looking forward to distributing some of that information here um, in the near future. Yeah. Yeah. So I know we're running low on time here. Um, so look, how can people get in touch with you to talk more about this, ask you your opinion, give you their opinion? Because I think what's so key about what we're talking about is this is something that you can go, anybody can go do, regardless of the industry they work in. You can mm -hmm. make an effort and take that first step, you know, find out what you need to do to get in front of a customer, or get some real customer feedback, or take it upon yourself to when a cold call goes bad, just, you know, take the chance and say, hey, you got a second? <laughs> you know, I mean, you've, yeah. already, you've already put yourself on the line. So, so um, you know, before we wrap it up, you know, how can people get in touch with you? And, and because I think it's important and you're, you, you, you brought this to the forefront for me, uh, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you. And, uh, once again, thanks for the opportunity. So folks that do want to reach out to me, um, more than willing, um, you know, to be a resource for our, um, sales community and the best way is probably LinkedIn. Um, so you can search me, Tim Flynn, F L Y N N, um, and company is critical mix. So feel free to uh, slide me a DM there um, if it's, you know, want to talk more about the subject on um, experiences and trends or if you're, you know, from a, a junior to a seasoned rep that just wants to have a conversation and, and network, um, you know, definitely want to be a resource. So um, definitely reach out. Probably the best is, is shoot me a message and connection request on LinkedIn. And then I plan on um, here shortly um, on this sales experience topic, um, publishing an article on LinkedIn. So I'll make sure we, uh, we get that out and we nice. distribute that to your users. Nice, Thanks. man. I love it. I love it. And, and so we've talked a whole bunch about sales experience, but, but talk to us about what you're doing at Critical Mix and, and, and how you guys are helping people and how they can get in touch with you there if they need help on yeah. that on the J-O-B yeah. side. Yeah, so, you know, we're a, a consumer um, insights um, company, so we serve um, both large um, global market research agencies, um, and then also we serve uh, brands um, that are doing market research uh, throughout different industries. So, you know, if that's um, understanding, um, you know, brand and how it's, uh, the perception is in the market or market share, or you want to test a product, um, and really want to get a good understanding of anything within your target market or uh, overall kind of gen pop. Um, we have technology and a integrated global panel to help um, individuals really um, understand what's the right way to go to market and also turn around any problems they may see um, of a maybe gap within their overall um, experience of, of successfully owning that market share within whatever segment they, they operate in. So um, once again, probably the best is LinkedIn. And then, um, you know, I can uh, triangulate to the right folks here if I would not be the right individual to help. But um, yeah, probably the best thing is to shoot me a LinkedIn message. I love it. 
I love it. And, and so same question I ask everybody that comes on the lunch break podcast, what is your favorite lunch spot, Tim? Yeah, well, I mean, the best thing for around here, I enjoy is eating up some of this good thought leadership. So nothing better than a nice little appetizer at the lunch break podcast. And uh, if you want to throw a few little tacos in there, I never turn those down. So hey, tacos um, in the lunch break podcast doesn't sound too bad. Nothing better. Nothing but, better. But, you know, you're you're down there uh, in Charleston, so I you, you've got plenty of choices. You could probably eat some some someplace great every day of the week. Most definitely. We need to get you down here soon too. So maybe we do a little, little in-person uh, yeah. follow-up after we get a bit more of this uh, experience stuff unpacked, right? I love it. I love it. And, and, and to Tim's point, reach out, comment on the podcast uh, when it gets posted on LinkedIn about, about your thoughts about sales experience, because I think it, I think it's something that the people that, that listen to this type of podcast and these types of, of uh, you know, topics, you need to get in on this conversation because it's an important one. Tim, thanks so much. I want to thank you again for coming on and, and, and bringing this topic to the table. And with that, I'm going to wrap up episode nine of the Lunch Break Podcast. Speak to you guys soon.